It is Thursday, March 30th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who can most certainly benefit from a pitch clock, J.P. Shadrick. Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Thursday, and it is the offseason. We've got a busy show ahead, though, for the next hour or so here on 1010 AM and Jaguars.com. We'll hear from Jeff Lagerman coming up, Jaguars analyst. A review of the NFL annual meeting. We'll hear from Jaguars owner Shad Khan, who sat down with John Osier at the Arizona Biltmore earlier this week. Doug Peterson, Jaguars head coach, had the AFC coaches breakfast on Monday. We'll hear some thoughts from the Jaguars head coach. We'll go around the NFL as well. We're on 10 to a.m. Jaguars.com, Jaguars Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. And the podcast available on the free iHeartRadio app, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you want to find us, you can. We are all over the place. We're also on Twitter, at JP Shadrick, at Logs56. That's Jeff Logaman's handle. Hi, Jeff Logaman. Hey, why should good be saying hi to you? How you doing, man? It's been I'm, a minute. I'm doing good, yeah. It's been I a minute. I came out of the darkness retreat. I was gone for a little while. You and Aaron hung out? Yeah, No, it was, a, it was by myself. And okay. I came... I, Got some things together, and now I'm back, baby. Would back. you ever consider doing a darkness retreat? Well, I mean, it seemed like the the Rogers one wasn't quite, you know, as advertised. Like the, you could turn on the lights anytime he wanted to, and they had food, bring you know, like room service. It wasn't like he was roughing it. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. I don't know, man. I mean, who knows? I was kind of have. Who knows? Conversation with somebody last week, and I was sitting there saying, I was like, isn't sunlight really good for you? Vitamin D? Well, if you're a vampire, then Darkness no. is sometimes, you know, like when if you look at the, the incidences of depression, the, the cities that don't have as much sun or where the highest incidence of depression is. So mm-hmm. why would you want to put yourself in seclusion and darkness? I don't know. Uh, that's a good question for him, but uh, we're not covering the Packers or the Jets beat, thank he goodness. He needs a little sun is what he needs. We've got plenty to get to in this show. We'll uh, get to the Rodgers situation, what's the next step there, Lamar Jackson, all that coming up a little bit later in the show. But let's start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Imagine mm-hmm. that. Jags owner Shad Khan doesn't have a lot of uh, media interviews throughout the years. Only a few times a year he speaks. One of those is normally at the NFL annual meeting commonly known as the owners' meetings that happened this week in Arizona. And he sat down with Jaguar senior writer John Ozier at the Arizona Biltmore in Phoenix this week. And the question was about the reaction of the Jaguars' success from other owners around the league. You know, I think we've cracked the code. <laughs> uh, um, you know, we've got a great uh, head coach, mm-hmm. uh, we've got a great general manager, and we have a great quarterback. And that's the trifecta for success in the NFL. And you're enjoying it. You've waited a while to have this feeling, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> absolutely. I think it's taken a while, but uh, I'm glad it's happening. I'm glad for me. I'm glad for all the fans. All right, so that's the owner, of course. There, there you have it. Yeah, head coach, GM, quarterback. That's the trifecta. They've uh, cracked the code, he said. All right, that's a good start. Well, you hope so, uh, but you know, uh, sustained success is where you want to be at. You don't want to have one year. You had that back in '17, and then the next year you you just kind of fell by the wayside. I'm not saying that this team is going to do that. I think this team is is going to be 
successful for a very long time because of the quarterback situation that they have. But but that's what you're shooting for. And and by the way, Shot Khan, I mean, just dapper. Dapper. Yeah, if you I mean, watch that on Jaguars.com. John I mean, Osher, <laughs> can we get him a clothing allowance? <laughs> Sponsorship. I mean, we need to work on this. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, but he, but but Shot looks good, man. He, he He's uh, he's sharp. And, oh, you know, uh, I think there were some travel issues. Their baggage got lost. Oh, is there that was what something. It is? That's the excuse. Yeah. Like they don't have clothing stores in Arizona. Really? I don't know what happened. That is there. truthful. I'm just saying. Wow. I don't know. Okay. Anyway. All right. So he's got. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you. Uh, <laughs> but but anyway, uh, I'm Jaguars.com. You can see the whole interview. The whole thing. I think it went up this morning. Okay. In fact, so check it out. Yeah, the full uh, conversation about eight minutes or so. With did, Jaguars. did you lose your? luggage i wasn't there oh you didn't get invited no oh i was not invited <laughs> yet again it's okay though i'm not bitter about it at all it's fine the uh, the accommodations at the biltmore from what i understand are uh, just a little bit plush they don't really hold those uh no offense to the motel six but at those kind no. of places you know like no. they're holiday inns not quite motel sixes no eh, not gonna happen no 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 they're um you know, they, they try to alternate it one, one time. It's on the West Coast somewhere out there, usually in, in Arizona. And another time it's in Florida. They've had it at an assortment of places here in Florida, the Breakers in Palm Beach. They've had it at the Ritz in Orlando. They've the had common it at, theme is warm yeah. weather. Warm weather Locations. and nice accommodations. Yes, and very yes. nice accommodations. Yes, usually a beach or some kind of outdoor area involved. Yeah, there's a lot of sand in Arizona, but not much beach. <laughs> That's true. Good point. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XL, Jaguars.com. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Well, earlier in the week, Doug Peterson, Jaguars head coach, speaking at the meetings this week. The AFC coaches' breakfast was Monday morning. Of course, a big season for quarterback Trevor Lawrence, and the head coach has high expectations moving ahead. I truly believe that he there's so much more for him, and 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 he's he wants that, you know, and he's willing to he's willing to do what it takes to, to work, and and uh, that's what you want um, as the leader of your football team, right? And and that that rubs off on the rest of your team. Yeah, so you start with a quarterback. That confidence is now year two in the system. They've added a weapon around him in Ridley. They've got all the other guys back. They've spent some equity in the draft, obviously in free agency last year in the offensive line as well to bolster that. I mean, if they don't succeed offensively, it's not for a lack of trying and personnel and people around the quarterback. Well, you still have to add components, and then the players that, that had success last year need to continue to build on their game. So you just don't assume, okay, well, you know, Christian Kirk is going to be great again this year and and uh, ETN is going to be explosive again. I mean, you don't assume anything in this game. I think the one thing that's imperative to happen in this offseason, and it's specifically with Trevor Lawrence, the great teams have quarterbacks that have the ability to raise their level of play each and every year early in their career. And then once they reach a certain level, then, okay, then it's about maintaining that level and still performing at that high level. But it's important for Trevor to be even more diligent and more hardworking this year to show his teammates that that's what it's all about, that that's what it takes, that's what it took last year, and that's what it's going to take this year. When the quarterback is your tone center with work ethic, you have great leadership. And if you need a, an example, look at the Tom Brady example. 
I mean, was he not one of the hardest workers in the offseason? The, the way he trained, the way he prepared, the way he worked with his teammates, he set the example. And if Trevor can do that, great things can happen, and he can take not only himself, but then he takes the people around him to a, a really high level. And that's, that's where you achieve greatness, and that's where an individual can achieve greatness, is by being great himself, but then by pulling those around him to a higher level that they could not have achieved on their own. Is that, hey, let's go to the high school field and throw a bunch? Is it's whatever it takes. Whatever it takes it's to whatever get it better. takes. Whether it's... Hey, look, let's get together and Which watch some film. they did that last year, by the way. Yes. Yeah. You know, getting together in some other location yeah. that you can – The you know, Bahamas, they did that last throw year, Throw for too. three or four hours, and then the rest of the time you have some fun. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a tremendous opportunity for him in year two. When I say year two, year two under Doug Peterson, year three in his career to where he can, he can take others to a higher level because that, that's the – the true greatness of leadership is being able to elevate those around you. And that's what Tom Brady did for years. I mean, you, you look at the offensive line as an individual person. You look at the skill position players that he had. Did, did, I mean, the greatest player he ever had was Randy Moss. And the year that they had together was, I mean, unbelievable. Sure it was. But then some of the other wide receivers that he had, I mean, they're not Hall of Fame guys. They were system guys. Well, I they mean, they were that, called system guys, but the one thing they all they had needed. in common, those guys worked. Sure. I mean, worked. They worked in the games. They worked in the offseason. And that's the kind of people, that's the kind of culture that you want to establish. And when you have the quarterback that is establishing that, man, does it make it easy. But they worked to have that system down so cold. That was the work, is – Every little nuance of the offense, they didn't miss a beat. They, they, they could find an opening in a defense. They could find a, something in a route that they had worked on in April that carried over, and that's what that's about. That, that's what the work is for. Well, is, and, and that's what's the next step for this offense, too. There might have been a few nuances of the offense first year in that maybe they missed a few things, a couple reads here or there. Well, now they can build upon that. Well, you're, yeah, you're trying to build and then – I mean, it's just like you go to college. Okay, you have a college major. You start out in your 100 level classes, 200 level classes. What was your major? Economics. Okay. And then, in your in your latter years of college, then all of a sudden you're starting to go to four and 500 level classes. You know, you're starting to to really dig deeper into some of the the nuances and the principles of the the subject that you're studying. And it's no different in football. I mean, you get to a certain level in a system. Okay, now this is year two. Okay, now you're you're, you're going to take a look at some of the 300-level classes, the 400-level classes, because a lot of the stuff that the time that you're spending now is not teaching the, the system and, and the plays. Now you're teaching some of the finer points. Hey, look, you know what to do. Okay, but now when you do that, look for this. And you can expand and – and, uh, and even have adjustments off of that because you're taking it to the next level. What was your minor? Football. <laughs> I thought it would be the other way around. Football no, major. Well, and, I, JP, that's University of Virginia now. Oh, I forgot. It's a learned institution of higher learning. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. By the way, did you know that Thomas Jefferson founded the I University of Virginia? I was aware. Yes, that's right. The NIL money, though, is killing UVA. <laughs> you all need to pony up, it sounds like, huh? 
It's just, you know. Some, some of the uh, alums I'm, need to pony up, it sounds like. I would love to see the difference of NIL money at the University of Virginia compared to the NIL money of Alabama. I know Texas yeah. Tech is like the highest. Yeah, right? I, I don't think you want to see that. I don't, I don't think so. No. You know, UVA probably would pay NIL money for, for students, like for the academia. That's what they did for you, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why you got in there, because yeah, oh, yeah. everything above the yeah. shoulders, right? Yeah. Hey, the Jags are locked in for 2023. The thrill of a win and electricity of the fans make game day at the bank an experience like no other. So join your friends, family, and fellow diehards and become a Jaguar season ticket member. The fun is here, and you don't want to miss out. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000 and buy today. They are on sale now. In a moment, Doug Peterson needs more from Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen on defense. That's next on Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. It is Thursday. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. And we continue with our review of the NFL annual meeting in Arizona earlier this week. Well, coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to move forward to the NFL draft preview. We're inside a month from the draft logs. It's unbelievable. It's almost, I mean, obviously April is coming up soon. Well, it goes fast when, you're, when your team's in the playoffs and doing well. Right. You, know you don't I mean? have an offseason. Yeah. Right? I mean, the offseason gets shorter, yeah. and then you're still kind of relishing the moment that you had in the playoffs, not even thinking about the draft, whereas when you finish the season with the worst record in the National Football League, the first thing you're starting to think about is how this team can get better in free agency, number one, and, and number two, the draft. Especially when you have the number one overall pick uh, two yeah. years in a row. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be nice. We were actually just talking about this. It's going to be nice not to have the first overall pick in the draft, but then it's also going to require some further studying. <laughs> Which you like to do. You're good to at be studying able to, these guys. Uh, to be able to, I think, to, to be able to talk eloquently mm. about the prospects that may be available for the Jaguars at 24. Well, here's what we're going to do for you, Logs. We're going to give you a head start over the next three weeks or so on this show, at mm -hmm. least on Thursdays. Mm -hmm. We're going to dedicate some time to a different position group of need for the Jags. Okay. And we'll do that starting next week. How okay. About that? All right. And we'll try to, we'll probably have some guests on that know a little better about the prospects that are in it every day. Some draft guru type people might join us. So you know what we should do? Be ready. I, I, to start it out, just because the quarterbacks, it's the hot, sexy topic. And we know that the Jaguars have no chance of drafting a quarterback in the first round. Right. We should start with the quarterbacks because. Okay. Of all the the well the trade that's already happened with Carolina, the other teams that obviously are going to be picking quarterbacks and are, are quarterback needy, I think that's uh, th that makes sense to you, doesn't it? Makes sense to me. Everybody's looking for a quarterback oh, until they have one. Well, and this team right here, you know, you know can you imagine hmm. being in the position that the Indianapolis Colts were? You go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. And you think you're good for a decade. And then he decides he doesn't want to play football anymore, which is fine. I mean, that's that, that was his decision, and I respect the heck out of it. I mean, a guy walked away from $30, 40 $50 million a year for a decade. I mean, if you can't respect that, some people would say, how can you respect that? That's crazy. He had money. 
I but mean, he, he made but some money. It's fine. But I mean, and that, he's that, getting that, his brains beat in. But here the Colts are. All right, who's their quarterback? They don't know yet. Hmm. They don't know. <laughs> they do not know who it was going to be. That's, uh, so, that's well, yeah, not we'll get the to position that. you want to be in. All right, well, I like that. We'll uh, we'll get to quarterbacks next week, and you know, we'll talk corners, we'll talk defensive line, all that in the weeks ahead, and and get some uh, professional perspective on that from the outside as well. Uh, let's continue from this week in Arizona and on to the defense now from head coach Doug Peterson. He was asked at the AFC Coaches Breakfast Monday, what needs to improve the most on the defensive side? It's an easy answer. And it all starts up front, putting pressure on the quarterback and whether we're doing that with four guys or five guys, um, you want to see Trayvon take, take that next step in year two. You know, you want to see Josh come along again as an edge rusher. You know, and, and, and really in his fifth year, you know, make an impact, you know, with the team. And, and um, you know, we're confident that both those guys can do that. We're, we were excited to extend Roy, you know, and get him back. And, you know, I think, I think the Fotokasi is a, a guy that can really make another step in the, in, the, in the right direction within the scheme. And so the pieces are there. Um, and now it's just a matter of continuing to, to coach and, and uh, uh, improve in all areas. All right. So the last couple years, they've spent a lot of equity, draft equity, free agent money on the defensive line and the pass rush possible solution. They haven't really found that solution in the big picture yet. So uh, help's not on the way this year, it feels like. They're, they didn't spend anything in free agency on it, really big money on no, it. They but extended, they extended it's not Roy. over, JP. It's, yeah, it's, I'm just telling you, <laughs> frontier free agency, yes. it's not coming. So you got to lean on those first-round picks. Josh Allen, year five, contract year, let's go. Well, and then Trayvon Walker, number one overall pick. You need to get improvement, improvement from within, but then you also need to get healthy from within. Fadakasi is a perfect example. Yeah, I mean, really wasn't available much last year, and also finding uh, his best position also would be helpful. You know, is that a nose tackle position? Is that a three technique? I think his perfect position is as a nose tackle. And if you can get improvement from Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker, Chad Muma, maybe one of your young corners all of a sudden takes a big step forward, can be a contributor. Safety, having to continue to get improvement out of uh, your young first round or couple, second round pick from a couple years ago Cisco? from Syracuse. Cisco. Cisco, having him get even better. I thought he made uh, significant steps last year as the season went on. But that, that's what you got to have. But as I said before, it, it's not over yet. I mean, there's still an opportunity for this team to get better. Now, the market's starting to kind of dry up a little bit. When I say dry up from Two, two perspectives. One, from the standpoint of the talent is starting to dry up, but there's still some out there. Yep. And number two is that dry up means is that there's not as much money available to the people that are left. So there's a, an opportunity to bring in guys on a one-year prove-it deal that they want to go back into another market next year. And Which they've done in the last couple of weeks, a week or so. They've added a couple of They've added some guys, and yeah. some of those guys, you go, who are they? Right. Okay, they're, I don't want to say they're roster fillers, but they're going to be role players, okay, yeah. with this football team. So that's what needs to happen. But first and foremost, if you're not getting getting better from your draft, then, then you're, you're going to have a tough time of it because you don't have the kind of money – 
because you've spent the money last year. I think last year was like a record $323 million worth of contracts or something like that last year. So you spent a ton of money last year. You've restructured some guys. There's still some opportunity to restructure more guys or to sign, extend guys, Evan Ingram. Yep. That helps your cap situation you out. Still got to sign your draft picks when they come in. Too. And I think what do you need, like seven to ten million yeah. or somewhere in that range for yep. your rookie class. Yep. And and here's the one thing that you just have to kind of keep in the back of your mind while you're looking at spending money is that you cannot do anything to jeopardize the future of the big money that's going to be going to Trevor Lawrence. Which could be in the next offseason. So you have to be mindful of where your cap is at in the really not-too-distant future. How does Trayvon Walker take a step? What does that look feel like for uh, the former number one overall pick? Well, I think number one is, is that you need to figure out where he's going to be best at. And that's, that's a, I think, a coaching staff decision where they're going to have to look at it and say, hey, look, what's the best position that he can help us win? Is that focusing on one position? Is that playing multiple positions? Is that inside, outside? Does he need to gain weight? Does he need to lose weight? I mean, all of those things, I think, are, are on the table to find out what what role does he provide the best impact for this football team? I think his best position would be more in line with a defensive end in a 4-3 type of system. But this team has been running a 3-4 system. Could they tweak it a little bit and maybe run a little bit more 4-3 principles? I mean, if it's good for the team, okay, then you maybe look at that. What's the best position for Devin Lloyd? Right. There's another one. Yep. Another first-round pick. Can you do more with him as far as having him be more of an edge edge presence with this defense instead of being an in-control linebacker that's in a two-point stance four yards deep? Trying to cover guys down the field, too. Uh, You know, and and look, he's got to be able to do that, but the percentages of doing – that versus lining up on the line of scrimmage and maybe being a guy coming off the edge. Maybe you want to find a way to be able to do some of that with him more. So those are the questions I think that this coaching staff went into the offseason. One, self-evaluation, and then number two, now where do we go from here? I guarantee you that was at the top of their list. The, the draft and develop philosophy is, yeah, you can draft a but the develop is the part of it, too. These guys have to go get better on their own. Well, and that's, in a lot of and that's what you say there is true when you say get better on their own because they're prohibited from working with the coaching staff at this point. Mm-hmm. The collective bargaining rules apply. And there are ways that players can go and get better. There's tight ends that gather in the offseason right. and they get together and work out and kind of – have what they call tight end U or something like that. Defensive ends. I know Von Miller gathered a bunch of guys, pass rush U or whatever they called that, going and learning from guys that did it for a long period of time at a high level. You know, had taken an opportunity, maybe talk to some of the greats of all time and spend some time with them. Uh, going back and maybe even working with your college coach, working out with your college to get into the best physical shape that you can prior to – coming in for the off-season workouts. I mean, 
getting better physically, getting better mentally, improving your diet, reshaping your body, training your body. There's so many different ways to get better. And it's at such a – the league has just – has advanced so far in a short amount of time. When I say short amount of time, you know, to go back into the, to the late 80s in the league, guys just kind of worked out a little bit in the offseason at their home – and then they got real serious about it when they kind of came in for camps. And then Jimmy Johnson came in and became a year-round thing. And now it's guys are hiring trainers to work out from the end of the season until they can get together into April, personal trainers, working out at, at high-end fitness-type places. And then once you get together, then it's all about ball and working out here at the facility because, number one, why would you risk working out anywhere else getting hurt and then you don't get paid? That's one thing I never figured out. A lot of guys roll the dice, though, on that. That's insanity. Why would you take that risk? A lot of guys work out on their own. If they get hurt on their own, they're on their own. But you can't can't work out with the quarterback and all that stuff on a field here, though. So you can't – any of that stuff, you have to to be away. Yes, but – Weight room and all that, you can be here. Correct. But you still have the – what I mean by – by that, JP, is that some guys choose not to come to the voluntary yeah. on the field yeah, days. Yeah, right, right, right. And then they want to do some of that on their own. When they do that on their own, then, then they're on their own. Then they're on their own if they get hurt. And then it would have what would be classified as a non football injury where they could potentially not get paid. Whereas if you get hurt out hurt while you're working out here at the facility doing a team drill of some kind, then the risk goes to the team if the player gets hurt. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. We're on 1010XL AM and Jaguars.com. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, and Daly's Place kicks off another unforgettable season, April 14th. That's two weeks away from country superstar Kenny Chesney. Music lives here at Daly's, and they've got something for everyone. Old Dominion, Tedeschi Trucks Band, Yellow Card, Wu-Tang Clan, and Nas, and much more. For a full list of shows and to get tickets, visit Daly'sPlace.com. Expansion of short weeks with Thursday night football flexing. It's on the table for the owners. Is it good? Is it bad? I say yes and yes. That's next on Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. Thursday afternoon, J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. We're on 1010 AM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The podcast on the free iHeartRadio app. Search Jacksonville Jaguars. Also on Spotify and iTunes. And hit us up on Twitter at J.P. Shadrick at Logs56. Well, uh, we continue with the conversation out of the NFL annual meeting, and this is... uh, uh, one of the obviously the big major meetings of the off season for the ownership, but they have multiple meetings throughout the year. But this is one where they vote on new playing rules, a uh, few things around the, the league as well. And there's a few that stood out this time. Okay, a lot of them passed. Some of them are tabled for later discussion. But the one that really stood out was Thursday night football flexing. It was on the docket during the annual meeting. This year and the possibility of expansion of short week games for each team that actually passed. So there's a maximum of two, and so you can have multiple normal Thursday night football games in a season. But 
the Thursday night football flexing idea was tabled until the May meetings. And, and basically, you would have a 15-day window. You'd have to flex it 15 days before the actual game, and then you could move a game off Sunday to Thursday. I, you know, and there's two for me. Let's start with this. I, I, I get the player side of it. It's horrible uh, to be moving games around in an extra short week and player safety and guys may not be ready off a of Sunday. That's a quick turnaround once in a year. Um, you know, and then obviously you do it a couple times, then you're up against it again. Uh, so I'm not a huge fan of it from that regard. But from a fan viewing perspective in December, when the games really matter and, hey, you want a better Thursday night game, I'm kind of for it if you're into just the viewing portion of this thing. Well, what they're trying to do is is to keep from having a snoozer in December on Thursday night and to make the Thursday night package more attractive, hence more valuable to Amazon and then also more valuable to whoever buys it into the future. And I totally understand it. But it's very difficult to ask a football team and a fan base that they're making plans for a Sunday game. For example, let's say the Jaguars were getting ready to face the Tennessee Titans, and all of a sudden it was a division game, which that division game in December might determine a you know, huge situation within the division. And while they say two weeks before, hey, we're going to make that a Thursday night game instead of being on Sunday. Well, what happened to all the people that may have made plans to attend that game in Jacksonville or in Nashville, wherever it was, on a Sunday? Now all of a sudden they have to maybe look at changing plans and making it happen on a Thursday. That's hard to do. And gate revenue is obviously very important, but TV revenue probably exceeds the gate revenue, especially when it comes to a, a league-wide standpoint TV revenue. And uh, the Giants owner, I believe it was uh, um, yeah, Mr. Mr. Mara, yeah. would uh, was one of the ones that spoke vehemently against it, and he said we can't do that to our fans. Roger Goodell kind of softened that a little bit by saying that we have to be able to look at it from the TV audience perspective as well. And, and look, I, I get it. I think that is uh, an interesting situation. I don't like the possibility of flexing something that quickly f uh, from a Saturday or a Sunday to a Thursday. It just doesn't work for me. If you wanted to flex it to where you move it a time slot, have at it. You know, have at it. I mean, what's wrong with doing that? Okay. Uh, but to make a team potential let's say you had a west coast trip right on a sunday and then the league flexed you because of this matchup they did it 14 days ago so now you're flying back and they flexed your game the the one the week's coming up so you're landing at 3 4 5 a.m in jacksonville and then you're trying to turn around and play a game on thursday night that might be on the road See, I would like to think that the league would take all that into consideration and be somewhat Well, JP, if they were taking all that into consideration, they would take all of that into consideration about moving it just from Sunday to a Thursday, regardless of any of yeah, that. Right. I mean, so when you say that, well, they should take that into consideration. Well, they're not taking it into consideration about having the fans be penalized, having the teams be penalized because it's an attractive game. We want to make the Thursday night package more attractive to a national audience. So I mean, it's, it's they're what by by saying that they want to do that. That's not really saying that they would consider yeah, that, right? So uh, it's tabled until another meeting in May, 
which uh, in which they could well, probably vote on it. Typically, we'll what the league will do is on something like this that can be viewed as controversial. Because it, it can be yeah. viewed as controversial sure. from a fan standpoint. Let's wait till the Players Association gets involved, is, if they do. Is that they they throw it out there to kind of test the waters a little bit, you know, and you know, hold their finger up to see which way the wind's blowing a little bit. <laughs> and then they kind of let it simmer for a little while. And uh, for two reasons. One, to see how the reaction would be. Number two, to maybe let the idea kind of settle on the minds of those that follow the NFL and the fan base and the teams and the coaches and the players, and then maybe circle back to it so that when you go back to it, it's not such a complete and utter surprise if something were to pass. A couple of other changes of note, one of those impacting the Jaguars pretty quickly here, and that was the adoption of the number zero as a jersey option. Calvin Ridley, the first in the league to announce he's changing to number zero or using it for the first time as a Jaguar. He announced it with the team immediately after the results were announced after the voting, and he will wear number zero for the Jags. It's been a while since uh, there's been number zero in the NFL. The most, uh, I guess the most famous was double zero, Jim Otto, right? Yeah, no, by far. Uh, I don't, you know, I... It's cool that they uh, they have allowed the flexibility with the numbers, you know. And I know Tom Brady spoke against it a couple years ago, uh, and I don't quite get his argument about from a quarterback standpoint. It's hard to figure it out. Look, you, you figure it out. You adapt and adjust. I mean, it's not that big of a deal, in my opinion, on a quarterback. But the zero number, I think, is unique, and uh, it, I'm, I'm wondering, did they allow? Other Jaguars, the opportunity to have first dibs on the zero. I'm going to tell you, I mean, it came out so fast after the announcement of all these changes that I would, I don't know, I doubt it. I doubt it. Do you like zero? I I didn't at first when it changed to college a couple years ago. I like it. But what do I care? Does it matter? No. You're still going to play the game. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. Right, Right. But uh, you better Fine. you better play well if you're wearing a zero. The one I don't like in college is single digits on defensive linemen. That one bothers me. I don't like that. Well, one. because it makes them look fat. I just don't. I'm not a fan. <laughs> it, does, <laughs> it does. But you know, I don't that's understand part of it. the single digits. Just bother, there's something about the defensive that. It's wrong. But I look uh, zero is great. Uh, I hope Calvin Ridley represents it well. He'll be the a very in a very unique situation. He's going to be the first Jaguar in history to wear the number zero. Pretty cool stuff, yeah, and and it's already out there. I don't know of any other teams that have officially announced it yet. So the uh, the other good, news, uh, kudos to the, the social media team for the Jags who helped get that out pretty quick too, and the the design folks, everything. The Great. rugby scrum is going to continue. Yes, yes, it that is. was also came out the Philadelphia Eagles, and they should not have changed that rule. I know they were talking about it, and you and think it's okay? Some of the people that are on the competition committee that are talking about. This play being a higher risk of injury. I mean, it, in theory, uh, here's here's their argument. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. You've got JP. Who got hurt this past year because of that play? Nobody. <laughs> but okay. in theory, you've got a quarterback who's 225 pounds in the middle of four big defensive linemen, four or five offensive linemen, all 
crunched in together, and then he's getting pancaked from behind by a, a running back or two or three, uh, okay. whatever. And he's in the middle of all that. How many quarterbacks got hurt doing that? As None this year? that I know of. That I watched, that I didn't it's, see. It's a minimal contact. When I say minimal contact, there's bodies that are making contact, yes. but it's, it's a, not a high-speed, distance-apart contact Well, because it's kind of everybody's packed into a very tight area. So here's the next step of it, right? If the quarterback is exposed somehow, like on top of the pile, is he fair game? He's a runner. Damn right. So at some point, somebody's going to take a shot at a quarterback in that well, situation. Well, look, he's got to be able to make sure that he runs it in a smart fashion. They've got to make sure that they protect and teach their quarterback to protect himself. Well, this this it, is also coming from the guy who chased down quarterbacks for a living. Well, right? look, that's your view. Uh, look, I, I, I look. I'm one of the guys that have said that I believe that they should protect the quarterbacks. I, I believe that. I liked a lot of the rules that were reasonable. Now, some of them that were unreasonable. Some of the. Uh, hits that were penalized, and I know part of the discussion at the league meetings was to make the hits on quarterbacks reviewable. Yeah, I hate that. Because there were some hits this past year that were just ridiculous that were called roughing. So they do that, they're going back to the pass interference reviewable thing. It's a judgment call. You can't you can't review judgment calls. JP. That are that are JP. You can't. A, you saw the same I'm just plays you, that I'm talking about. You cannot about review pass. That you can't were review called pass roughing, and they were embarrassing calls. You can't review roughing. You can't do it. Well, I think they should make it reviewable because when a guy's instant reaction is is that oh he got hit, he throws the flag just out of reaction because oh it's the quarterback. Well, that doesn't necessarily make it a foul. I I don't like I I think that that should have been reviewable in my opinion, because it goes beyond judgment. Because a lot of times the official throws it out of a reaction. Anticipation almost. It really yeah, does. Right. Instead of, let me look at that play and then, uh, no, it's okay. Or, yeah, it's a, that was a foul. It was almost as soon as contact's made because the league has almost ingrained in a lot of the officials' head, protect the quarterbacks, protect the quarterbacks, protect the quarterbacks. If they don't throw a flag, they view or are concerned that they may get downgraded anyway also one more uh we are back to one preseason roster reduction date after the final preseason game they used to have uh, multiple cut downs from 90 to 85 85 to 80 then 80 to 53 now it's from 90 to 53 after the final preseason game that's official now uh, yeah and then and then obviously the practice squad gets filled in so i mean yep. even though you you look at 90 and 53 it's really not that dramatic it really goes from 90 to 70, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, somewhere in that range because you're going to have guys that go on injured reserve. You're going to have guys that go to the practice squad and some that will be on the non-football injury list or et cetera that will still be there. So it's not as dramatic as 90 to 53. And that'll help out, obviously, in the last preseason game. Your starters aren't going to go. Hey, guys, yeah, here, this is your chance to get some tape. Yeah, bodies, yeah. you know, and, and, and look, uh, I, I think it's great. I mean, why not continue to allow some of these younger plays to get younger players to get snaps, to, to continue to have an opportunity to show what they can do? Uh, I like the, the single cut as, as opposed to the graduated cut. Um, but it's going to be, a, it, 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 I will tell you that whenever the cuts happened, 
it was always dramatic, no matter what the step was oh, yeah. when you went down to that final number of 53. It's a dramatic change mm-hmm. in the locker room because you go from 90 all of a sudden, even though you have 16 practice squad, it's still that's a pretty dramatic change because a lot of times those guys are in another locker room now. They were in another locker room, but it's, it's very different. We're back in a moment. We'll go around the National Football League and a look at the Miller Electric Center and Logs. We're going to talk art. Art? Art. A-R-T. Art. Art and give me a little bit of a... It, it involves the Miller Electric Center. Oh. When we come back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. And if you're watching on Jaguars.com, Jaguars social media, it's a live look outside at the Miller Electric Center. We are closing in on move-in day for the Jaguars. July 1st is still the scheduled date to get the keys to the building. The practice fields have the... um, what do you call the watering? How do you do the irrigation? That's there you go. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> all, that, all that's in, and they're about to put the thank you. The, the grass is coming soon. They're going to start growing that, and then they'll have training camp out there in pretty, July. Uh, pretty impressive facility. I, I, I can't wait to, to see it once the doors open up. I walked through it a couple weeks ago. Pretty cool. Big. Yeah. Large. Oh, yeah. 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 And the stands are great. It's going to be beautiful. And, and also- Shaded. This, shaded stands. stands uh, shaded balconies for the offices, for the coaches mm-hmm. and all this. I mean, it's it's and the indoor is huge, too, by the way. Yeah, really nice. So that's coming uh, very soon. Now, this week, the Cultural Council of Greater Jacksonville and the Jags announced the artists that have been selected for the Miller Electric Center project. So the, the goal is to infu- infuse public art into the design. And the partnership was announced back in September. More than 150 artists from around the world answered calls uh, put forth by the Cultural Council for this, and they were uh, representing 25 states and nine countries. And six artists have made the cut for different parts of the project around or on, in one instance, the Miller Electric Center. Aisling Miller McDonald of Jacksonville will create a, a steel sculpture, and it represents various aspects of community, and that'll be outside of the Miller Electric Center. Castro Solano of Spain will have an illuminated sculpture of a jaguar head. That's going to be south of the public lobby. That'll be cool. Oh, yeah. Will Dubois of Missouri. Uh, four sculptural goalpost-shaped bike racks for fan use. Timothy Smith of California will produce a mural for the north exterior facade of the indoor practice facility. That's over 400 feet wide. That's a lot. It's a big That's mural. That's a lot of space. That's I don't a- know. I don't know how long it's going to take him. To what do, do they that. call that? What do they call like an artist? What he when he what he draws on a, a canvas? Yeah, it's a lot of canvas right there. A, yeah, right. It's a lot of paint. Yeah, I'll say that. Uh, Arlen Graff of Ohio will have two murals on vinyl for the Phantom Entity Grandstand area, and Das of North Carolina will do an additional mural on vinyl for that area as well. So a lot going on there. Um, and you can check out all everything on Jaguars.com. If you haven't seen the photos that'll be or the rendering, that'll be impressive. This, I mean, it's great that they're doing that. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, art is a beautiful thing, and and I hope that they also have um, uh, a, a place in there to show the the history of the franchise. Yeah. You know, some of yeah. the pictures and and stuff 
uh, from the early days because I think that's very history is important. You're gonna need a space for a Lombardi Trophy as well at some point. That would there, be great, you know, or two. That would be great. You know, not asking too much. Just saying, you know, leave some space. Yeah. Deer heads on the wall. No, that, is that part no. of no the broadcast area? No, no, it's no, not? no. That's not uh, not what you're looking for. But you're, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, like a. a, a a bust of Tony Baselli that's kind of replica hey, of the, the Hall of Fame. There, or there's not a building big enough for that. Some of the pictures from the early days, you know, the the uh, the names that are on the inside of the stadium to have kind of tributes to them in kind of what I would call the Jaguars Hall of Fame kind of area or something mm. of that nature would be cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. What's the logaman area going to have in it? There's no logaman area. There's not no area. No, no, no. The deer head. That's no. what you're going to have. No. Uh, let's go around the National Football League now. Logs and bring it on home. Two different bids on the table for the Washington Commanders, each at $6 billion. There could be another one on the way as Jeff Bezos next to bid on the team. Hey, $6 billion, at least as a base starting line for this team. Well, the, the reports are that there's one bid, okay? It's, there's a lot of reports that are saying that there's two that are at $6 billion. But the financing supposedly is not in place for one of those two, okay, bidders. Just the whole point of a bid is to have the financing to support well, it. Yes. You've got to have league approved when it comes to the finances. And I'm sure that Daniel Schneider would love nothing more, even though it's been reported that he doesn't want to sell it to Bezos because of the long-standing rivalry between Daniel Schneider and the Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos, who also owns Amazon by the way. But, uh, yeah, he would love to have Bezos come in and make an offer of you know, six and a half or $7 million, whatever it may be. I'm just glad and, and hopeful that this saga and the Washington Commander's history slash Redskins history can be put into the past because it has been kind of an embarrassing stretch and a little bit of a stain on the National Football League the situation in Washington. Calais Campbell signing with the Falcons. He said, quote, it really came down to where I felt like I could have the biggest impact both on and off the field. What are you doing? Marvin Jones Jr. back with the Lions. He is... um, he spent a lot of his time there, of course, with, before the Jaguars. But Calais uh, made a visit through here reportedly the other week and then went on a vacation, came off the vacation, and he'll be in hot Atlanta. Now, uh, you know, look, I would have loved to have had him back here just because he's uh, an exceptional person. Excellent football player, but uh, most importantly, exceptional person. Love having him around. Special, really is. And But I uh, wish him nothing but the best. We'll always be a fan of his no matter – what uniform he wears. Just have to beat him this year. Falcons are on the schedule, aren't they? I don't know. Are they? I think they are. All right. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that he went to Atlanta. Who's their quarterback? They just signed a guy. Um, they just signed somebody for pretty good money, too. Their quarterback? Yeah. Okay. They JP. They did. I'm just telling you, they did. Do they have a franchise quarterback? No. Exactly. And so if you're Calais, why? Desmond, Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter. He was the rookie last year. Yeah. He's, he's, the, he's he, a starting quarterback, and he's not a starting quarterback. That's what they just named him the starting quarterback. Yeah, they did. For now. 
because they don't have anybody else. Heineke's there. Heineke's who I'm thinking of. That's who they just signed. Taylor Heineke from the Commanders. And he couldn't hold a job down in Washington. So they don't have a quarterback situation. That's why I was surprised that he went there. I figured that he would go to some type of contending team, whether it be here, Buffalo, back to the Ravens. But with the situation with Lamar Jackson being really up in the air and questionable, I don't know if the Ravens are a viable candidate. New playing service installed at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. There's been some widespread criticism over the last few years of the surface. It's improved synthetic turf, a field turf core system. So five 49ers suffered lower body injuries in a same game against the Jets back in 2020. Ravens cornerback Kyle Fuller tore his ACL there week one last year. That's also where Dewan Smoot tore his Achilles at the end of last season on Thursday Night Football. That's right. Yeah, so they're a- changed, they've changed the whole field. Well, and I, and I hope it's a it's a great service. I wish uh, every team in the league had natural grass, but I know that that's not an option for some because, especially like in New York, where you have multiple, well, New Jersey, where you have multiple teams and events that are going to be on and in that stadium. So it's just a, it's not a, re- a realistic approach. But there are really, really, really good synthetic surfaces, and I hope that every team in the league gets it squared away. Uh, look, there's some – the situation that was, what, in Arizona for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Slipping and sliding. Uh, that's not good. No. Just because you had the humidity levels that, that increase as it gets darker and then all of a sudden they, guys are on ice skates everywhere around. I mean, you I can't guess, fix that. And I guess they kept it inside too long. You could, that's the field you can actually pull outside to the yeah. natural sun. But they brought it in apparently a little too early and let it the water just stayed on it. Yeah, that, and yeah. and they kind of not that I'm a underplayed you know, the surface after the fact. Oh yeah, it was fine. No, it wasn't fine. It shouldn't have been that in that type of situation at all. If it's a Super Bowl, the field should be impeccable, and it was not. Thanks to our entire crew, Brent Reber on the video side, Joe Fortunato on the audio side, social media, all the uh, design folks, everybody behind the show each and every week. For Jeff Lagerman, I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thank you for watching and listening. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. <laughs>